Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Debate Without Debate podcast. This week on the podcast, we have Max Ressinger. Max, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Excited to be here. So, Max, for anyone who doesn't know you already, could you give yourself a, a quick introduction? Just tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, so, I guess I'm pretty renowned, I guess, for having a YouTube channel. Um, last year, I moved to France with my family for seven months, and I started a channel to kind of document all of my experiences there, going to French and sort of like what it's like to be an American teen living in another country. Um, and so I got home from living in France, and my videos went viral. And since then, my channel's blown up relatively, and um, I've started like an online community um, based upon that clothing brand and yeah, that's basically where I'm at now. Um, I just turned 17, so I'm still young. Um, yeah, that's the gist. <laughs> Very that's cool. Very so cool. From, from the looks of it, your content is focused on, at least for the past year, that sort of cross-cultural immersion. An American living in France and then coming back to America and looking at the differences. In your opinion, what do you think is the most appealing thing about cross-cultural immersion why is it so valuable yeah it's a good question um i think main or i guess the main reason why my videos focused around school went viral is just because it's such a different experience in other countries um i think people are really curious to see what life is like in other countries um i think just any little thing is fascinating to someone else like if you wake up and you eat cereal and you realize someone wakes up and they eat like bacon with like syrup on it, you're like, what? <laughs> so I just think any sort of <laughs> cultural differences, I think it's just fascinating no matter where you live in the world. So that makes definitely. sense. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing that I think is, is particularly interesting about why people might be attracted to your content um, and moreover, just social media in general, is that you don't necessarily need to go to places anymore to get the same experience. Um, from your experience, do you think that there is value in being able to travel? Is there something unique about that? Or can you just live vicariously through others? Um, I think there's nothing nothing like true real travel in another country or place. Um because it's not just about the visuals, it's about the sounds and the smells. And I think that really makes the experience just so transformative. Um, but I think it's wonderful that we have the internet and it can kind of replicate to a certain degree. I think it's awesome that we can sort of visit other places and see what it's like. Um, but I don't think it, it can replicate it in the same sort of transformative way, I'd say. So given these circumstances, a lot of people are stuck at home. Um, they want to get out of the house. They want to go and travel, but they don't have the opportunity to quite obviously because they don't want to. They don't want to die. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So lightly. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, uh, yeah. So so how how do you think people can satisfy their their sort of drive for travel during these times? It's not an easy question. Uh, I think, I think watching videos obviously can probably satisfy that to a certain degree. Um, and then maybe trying different things like expressing yourself through art, painting, taking photos within your house, finding other means to sort of kind of get that inner drive within you. But um, 
in terms of the traveling itch. I don't know. I've been feeling it. So, mm. <laughs> are there any places that you desperately want to travel to right now? Uh, I really want to go back to France. I was mm. planning to um, just to see the house where I was living at because I feel like it was such a foundational period of time for me. Um, yeah, I think just going back to that is something I really miss, but mm. it is what it is. So what do you mean by like a, a foundational piece in your life? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was living there in France, I was pretty like like YouTube focused. I was like, I got to edit every day. Like, like this is my chance. I have like an incredible opportunity to be living in another country. Um, and so I would spend just hours editing every day in like my room there. Um and by the time I left, I think I was still at like 2,000 subscribers. So like I was still in that very, very early phase where I didn't realize like what was coming at all. I think it was just pretty special to just be doing it purely out of passion and love, but there's no money involved or anything as before, like anything really took off. So it just feels like a really special sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but like foundational place, I guess. Mm. No, I, I think I got you. I And, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the questions that I have is given that you've now had viral content. And I think that's a very subjective term. Like some people getting 500 views on their videos way better than, you know, getting two. Um, but you've had millions plus, um, on your videos. Has that distorted the reasoning behind you creating anymore? Does it feel like there's a pressure to now create something different? For sure. Yeah. And it, it's hard because once you sort of figure out to a certain degree, what will do well on YouTube and what won't it, there's a pretty strong pull to kind of like shift your content towards things that will do well. Um, because you know, that leads to more subscribers, more money and just like everything in terms of like, I guess numeric sort of, um, positive response. I don't know exactly, but, um, yeah, it definitely makes me always like think about videos that are, oh this will this would do well on the algorithm. This would do well. Not necessarily like, oh, like this will help people, you know? So I've kinda had to like force myself to stay true to like making content that's not just algorithm based. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure. It's definitely once you get a taste of it, it's like, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost a dopamine response. Like you oh, yeah. I, I think it's the same with with people on social media, regardless, like you get likes, mm -hmm. oh, you start feeling good. Oh, it's self-validating. And it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. You want more and more of that. I know we've experienced that to some extent as well. Yeah. Like when people mm -hmm. will give us accolades, they'll say, oh, you got this person on, that person on. But I think it's important to have a, a long-term mindset. That's at least how we're yeah. taking it. It seems like a lot of people, once once they get that internet fame, or that one piece of viral content, they change their image to adapt to to the audience. But I think what's unique about your platform is that ever since the get-go of your channel, ever since you started posting frequently, you've held on to that integrity. Where, where do you think that that comes from? I think mainly because I've seen other channels sort of change. And I think just from observing people not appearing, I guess, genuine online, I think it's more and more obvious these days and um it's just not me <laughs> in the first place and second i think if you can be your genuine self on the internet and show that i think it 
shows other people that it's okay to do that. And I think the internet should be as genuine as possible and as real um, as possible. Yeah, I think that's just something that I find important just from experience. Definitely, definitely. So I want to move a little bit more into to that motivation side that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, what do you think... When you, when you analyze or, or when, you're, when you're creating especially, do you have a feeling at this point being a year, two years, three years uh, of creating stuff, maybe not even necessarily putting it online to feel out how well things are going to do? Or is it just like, hey, man, the algorithm, like you just never know what it's going to pick up? Um, for my channel, relatively, I know if I make something um, regarding school, it's most likely going to go relatively viral. Um, every single video that I filmed at my school or a school I'm going to, I think average is like one, 1. 1.2 million views. Dang. So every video has gotten a million views when I film at school. So I know if I'm going back to school and I'm going to vlog the whole day and I can save my first day of like school, whatever post coronavirus, I'm guessing that's probably going to do well just based on how every other video has done. Um, but if it's not geared towards school, it's really like, I don't know, you know, like I think this could do decently well, but then it doesn't. And sometimes videos that don't expect to do well, do well. So if there's a certain sort of like knowledge, I guess I have, but otherwise it's just like, uh. <laughs> does that, does that usually feel I like- can tell. Does that feel like an anchor on you knowing that it's not even necessarily that you're in a niche. It's almost like the algorithm has put you there, right? Yeah. Does, does yeah. that hurt you in some capacity? I know you did a video recently where you were talking with Zach Levitt about mm-hmm. not going to school. Does that impact you in any way as like, oh, maybe I'll go from a high school YouTuber to now being a college YouTuber and I can transfer some of that? Yeah, I think... Um, he's actually has sort of the same issue because his content's geared towards running and he sort of wants to branch out from that. But whenever he posts a video that's not related to running, gets no views. Um, and for me, I feel like I'm sort of lucky cause it's gear. It's, it's about school and me sort of growing up through school. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's tough. Cause I feel like, um, I, you can never really gauge your relationship with the audience or it's, it's hard to sort of really know like what degree um, are they here for you or just cause they think you're doing interesting things. And I think it's, or I'm trying to sort of build that relationship to where it's like, I'm here for him cause I like him and he's doing interesting things. And like that sort of relationship will stay with me regardless of what I'm doing. Um, but definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think your audience is super unique in that you have a loyalty of fans versus a lot of other content creators. Um, you know, if they don't post a video for a week, they're practically irrelevant. For you, I think it's different because you have people messaging you from all over the world and truly interacting with your videos, despite the views, despite anything else. Um, they're just there to listen. What do you think the pluses are of having a loyal fan base? I think it's the most important thing. Um, when I set out, like starting my channel, I was like, I want to create a community of people who sort of share similar perspectives that I have on the world. Um, Cause I, that's something that's really important to me. And 
sort of how I was trying to tackle living in another country, having sort of like an open mindset with everything. Um, I wanted to sort of show that with my channel and find people who related to that. And so I think it was almost five months back, I created a Discord group for um, the community, I guess, on my channel. And um, since then, we've I think we just hit over 3,200 people on there. Wow. So basically, my biggest fans, I guess what you'd call them, on the channel migrate towards there. And then basically everyone intermingles and gets to know each other. So now we've created this huge community where everyone is friends. I think that just makes everything exponential when you can, when it's, I guess, if you can change it from being audience watching you and thinking you're cool and turning that into sort of, oh, they're getting to know other people. We're becoming friends and I can sort of jump in that and act like a friend too. I think it just makes everything full circle. Um, and I think that's just one of the most important things in life that I've figured out through traveling, um, just community and people that you're around is one of the most important things. Mm. Very true. Very true. One thing you mentioned earlier is part or, or part of the explanation of why you thought your experience in France was so foundational is because you were able to spend that time editing and just hacking away at YouTube um, because you enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you think that now that you're back home, it's more difficult to balance the two? Is it that when you went to a new place, you almost, I mean, we, whenever any of us go to a new place, we don't know people so we can kind of distance ourselves. And I guess the deeper question is how do you balance the two of them together? How do you make sure you're not just sitting in your room all day editing away? I know Joey and I have done that frequently. Yo, yesterday was terrible. <laughs> I got so ticked off with an audio. I was like, oh my God. This is like I was on Premiere Pro for at least eight hours, but oh no, oh, you, no. you know that feeling. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think definitely it comes with time and experience because it's pretty easy to just lock yourself in your room. And I definitely did that to a certain degree in France, but I think I was just so focused on getting somewhere that I wasn't able to really take the um, or just be mature enough to be able to like stand back and sort of try to experience but it was pretty well balanced for the most part um but coming back home it was hard to sort of shift from being all in to like having to make time to now focus on schoolwork and hang out with friends after school because the way i sort of trained my mind into thinking was like your time is valuable. If you're hanging out with friends, technically that's a waste of time. Just mm -hmm. the way my mind was working at that time, I sort of had to force myself to unwind and be like, that's just as productive and think of it from sort of a mental health perspective. Um, and taking AP psychology this year is definitely, I can credit that um, to sort of helping shape my perspective and kind of unwinding my sort of productive sort of mindset, mm. which isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so given that, given that you're taking AP courses, it seems like you're, you're a fairly academic kid as well. Um, some may say, some may ask you the question, you know, how the hell are you juggling this? Because me, I, I think I'm in a similar, similar case as you, um, except your content is definitely more viral than us. And it seems like <laughs> you, you put in, you put in work like every single freaking day. It seems like you're uploading all the time. 
How how do you juggle it? Um, sometimes I used to ask myself the same question. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but I think after a while, you sort of find what you get to know yourself basically because you become brutally honest with your motivation, what works for yourself, what doesn't, things you like, things you don't. Um, and I think, I think back in the fall, so sort of like my motivation and uploading is kind of like really dependent on how I was feeling throughout the year. Cause certain times I'd have more schoolwork, less schoolwork. Um, I guess when I was still in school, what I'd have to do is force myself to be on school mode or YouTube mode. And it would be like either one or the other. And if I was like, I need to like edit a video, like I'm feeling creative. I just don't want to think about school. I'd be like school completely aside, only thinking about YouTube and just completely focusing in on that. And I think I was able to fully focus in without having school in the back of my mind. I think if you can completely sort of like shift and not have other things running in your mind, like on your phone, I don't know if you have an Apple phone, but all the, all the apps that you swipe up, um, I think that was the main reason I was able to focus is I could switch from task to task, but be really focusing on each one while I was doing it. Mm. But I don't really know how I did it, but I think looking back in the moment, you never really feel as productive as you are. So I always thought I could be working harder and working more. Oh, I have another hour that I could have been editing. Um, which is sort of unhealthy because I guess you're never really satisfied with it. Um, and I think now I've been able to sort of undo that a bit and prioritize family, social things. Um, but I could be a lot more productive, but I just don't think I could um, kind of continue that forever at the rate I was going at. I think your nuance on productivity is spot on. Like I, I've definitely been in that place as well, not necessarily in, in a creative fashion, but definitely Throughout all of high school, I was very focused on, uh, I was a debater, so I did that a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. was very into the subjects that I was studying in school, so I did that a ton. And just even putting myself first was a, a difficult thing. Putting my health first, putting my mental health first, putting my friends first. Um, I want to dive into a bit of deeper into that because I think this would provide yeah. a ton of value for a lot of people. Where do you think this urge from productivity is coming from? I have my own thoughts, but I, I'm very curious to hear what you think that compulsive feeling that, oh, I need to be productive is. I definitely probably attribute it to social media. Mm. Um, just because that's something that we can compare ourselves to. Mm. If there's no one else in the world. I wouldn't know what productive means. I'm just doing my own thing, right? Um, so I think... I think watching other people do things is a huge motivator without you realizing it or not. Um, I think that's probably my biggest sort of urge comes from just watching other people do things and being like, Oh, I can do this too someday if I just work hard. Um, I think I definitely attribute it to just seeing other people on social media. Mm. Do you, a lot of people associate that sort of, comparison um with like corrosivity if that makes sense like they think that uh the 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 sort of comparison just is not healthy on their mental state but it's very interesting that you kind of use that as a motivator how how do you 
look at comparison um, in a positive light as opposed to like a negative light? Yeah, I've definitely struggled with that. I'll be honest. Um, there's times where like comparing yourself becomes like really negative. Um, and I think there's times where I was like, oh, well, that guy's channel is getting more views than mine and his fans are interacting more. And you're like, whoa, whoa, like, hold up, you know, like, calm down, you know. Um, I think there's no like magical fix, I realize. It's just sort of like taking time to sort of step away from all of it. So, like, once you clear the app or um, – I like I run cross-country and track, so a lot of my days spent running and focusing on staying, like, disciplined through that. And um, through that, I'm able to sort of, like, refresh my mind and not think about it. I think doing other things that's not um, surrounded around being productive can help you learn to sort of, like, love yourself, if that makes sense, in other aspects. And that sort of builds your confidence in what you're doing. And it helps you not compare others. I want to I wanna jump into running for a hot sec. Yeah. I, I used to be a runner in middle school. I was running in the beginning of high school, then I stopped. Um, mm. what, draw, what drew you to running originally, especially from a mental health side? Because I feel like you might have an, uh, an interesting take there. Yeah. Um, running. I used to hate running. <laughs> um, it can suck at times, as we all know. It's not easy at all. Um. I think what originally got me into running as well, my parents forced me to join a running team so like for you. And they made me join the sort of like the oldest kids. And I was always the last kid in the line. And I would be like trying to catch up to everyone, but like clearly way out of shape. So I hated running for the longest period of time. And um, when I was in middle school, I was really big into competitive soccer and all of that. Um, but I was a small kid. And so I never got to play. So I was kind of fed up of that. So next year, my friend was like, you should just join cross country. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And um, I think after that, I had moderate sort of success. Um, and I think it's, it's a really interesting relationship, like running in yourself, because half the time you're dreading it because you know it's really um, discomforting, I guess. But I think afterwards, the reward of how you feel is rewarding enough that basically it makes you run. It's sort of the same thing with like productivity and working and everything. I think it really teaches you long-term gratification, which I think I can definitely attribute a lot of my success to running and what that's taught me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for, for me personally, although I'm not doing track and field anymore, I still really enjoy running. Because mm -hmm. it puts me om almost in a flow state like that. Yeah. You know that feeling where you're in a race and just you you can't hear anything. All that yeah. you see are the other, like the person ahead of you, like their feet. Or even if there's no one ahead, if you're first, like I would always imagine that someone was running like 20 meters ahead of me and I just had to like bulldoze past them. Um, I, I think running, there are a lot of... I like how you're putting success in, in quotes. And I, I think I kind of understand the reason because a lot of it is subjective. And it's also yeah. weird to, to assume that we are successful now. Like, what is that going to look like in the future? But a lot of quote unquote successful people are also runners. Because um, mm -hmm. it, it, Or athletes it, in general. Or, or athletes in general, yeah. Because yeah, there's a ton of discipline in that. I think the oh, intersection yeah. between that and creativity is one that's slightly more distinct because I think 
what what you've perfectly demonstrated so far in this conversation is the difficulty of holding yourself accountable and when that goes overboard, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, there are people who want to see you now, but in the beginning, I'm sure it was like, hey, I just want to create because, you know, I'm in a new place. Now that mm-hmm. that changes, the accountability also changes and and dissociating that is difficult. One thing to, to loop this back into a question a bit because that was a little bit of a rant. Um, <laughs> Have you ever done digital detoxes? Yes. What yes. has the effect of that been for you? Really rewarding. Um, I was actually thinking about doing it again tomorrow. I was considering deleting social media for 30 days, so that's funny. Um, it's it's really freeing. I think it definitely is something I want to sort of incorporate every once in a while. So I think it teaches you a lot about how you use it and what's important um, about using it. So like when I was living in France, um, more of a backstory, I was in a pretty serious relationship for a while. And we decided like, hey, like, let's just see like what happens. I'm moving. Let's just see if we can stay together, whatnot. Um, And we stayed together for a while and it was great. She visited me there and it was really awesome. And afterwards she broke up with me. Right. And that sucked. And I felt pretty like alone. Um, I didn't really know what to do with the feeling, but all I knew is like being on my phone does not feel healthy. Right. Like I need to get out of here. Like feel like I'm trapping myself in my mind. So I decided to, put my phone in my like shoebox for two weeks mm. and um, probably the most freeing thing I've done. Um, I think the only reason I don't do it now is because I feel like I have this urge to like, Oh, I need to be on social media. It's sort of like my responsibility. Like I'm an influencer. I need to like put things on my story, you know, sort of that FOMO. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think FOMO is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. being, so I'm I'm a fresh or I was a freshman in college and personally I think the worst combination of uh emotions or or feelings in general when you're moving somewhere else is FOMO and anxiety. The two of them combined just like makes you go bizar- like your brain just tweaks out. Mm. Um I think it's really interesting you say that. I I have also toyed around with digital detoxes the thing that I find so interesting about it is how much time I feel like I have again. It's like, and it's weird. Your your feelings on productivity are similar to how I feel on productivity. I'm sure, Joey, that's also how you feel. But when I open up that time in the day, I'm like, Jose, you got through like five books. Dude, I, I did it for a week. I swear to God, I got through five books. I was like, yo, <laughs> oh what's going on? Dude doesn't even read. Like, I, he, was straight, he was illiterate before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it's crazy it it really is it do you really ever check is. screen time on your phone oh it's the worst it's the worst because especially during the the quarantine oh i look at <laughs> i look at the screen time <laughs> and i'm like yo there's no way i'm on this for more than three hours a day there's no way and i've seen other people too um i don't know why i'm not making a general assumption so people who are listening don't don't attack me but most of the girls which i've spoken to the screen times are off the charts, bro. They're off See, the nine charts. hours. 
Nine freaking Dude, one of my one of my friends <laughs> one of my friends is doing eleven hours a day. Oh. I'm like, how? <laughs> Dude. It's not even listening to music. It's just Bro, I checked I checked mine. I kid you not. So I, I picked up a new job recently, which pretty much has me on my phone and my computer all the time, which has been an interesting experiment for me. I definitely want to walk away from everything for like a year now. Um but my screen time has gone up so much. And to loop this back to you and to, to what you're doing right now, one of the most interesting things is having that intentional nature to your social media use, but also, as you're saying, being an influencer. I, <laughs> I, first off, do you like that word? Most people don't. And second off, what, is that, what does that look like? when you're trying to be intentional with social media use, but also realize that, hey, this is like kind of something I enjoy. Yeah, um, definitely like, I don't know if the word influencer is the right thing, but to a certain degree, I feel like I have influence over people. And I I, I feel like the largest thing that comes with that is I feel responsibility for people. I think that's where I get caught up is like, I'll get a ton of DMs every day. And it's like long paragraphs of like, your videos helped me go through this and change my perspective on this and I feel better now and it's like wow like that's awesome um but I like can't physically respond to all of them and that's something that's like feels really troubling to me just because like someone spent all this time to write a message to me and I feel like I should respond right um and just in general I feel like oh, I should probably try to post something online that maybe will help people out, do this and this and this. And I think it's never ending. And I think it's about kind of learning or like learning to find the balance between like what's important and what's not. I don't know. I think it all comes back to balance in life, mm-hmm. balance of working, family life, balance of working too much, working too little. And I think that's the biggest thing I've come to sort of realize in the past year. It all comes back to balance and finding like a flow state within that. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious on your half a lot of people would they, they care about the quantifiable numbers as opposed to the qual- qualifiable feeling um, mm-hmm. in terms of especially uh, just having like a supporter a support base subscriber base whatever you want to call it uh, would you rather have a loyal kind of small fan base or, or a large less engaged fan base that smaller and loyal but i think you'd always be itching for more is the issue it's like you're never satisfied with it and like great i have an awesome community now like how can we grow this you know it's just what's like in my brain you know um but i think it all comes down to having the most authentic relationship with people but obviously i think i'd try to just have that with as many people as possible but yet again that's just like why why do i want to have more people you know (laughs) I, I think that is a deeper question. I mean, like I, I'm struggling that with that with that same question myself. Like, does it matter how many views we get? Does it matter how many listens we get? Does it matter who's on the podcast? Like, those are some deeper questions. Which, if you look like a a level deeper, at least for me, I, kind of, I tend to realize like a lot of times the big things aren't the things which provide most value. Yeah. That's why I feel like uh, a lot of celebrities you see them like in a ditch one day like snort like doing crack like i don't know <laughs> it might seem weird but like people <laughs> yeah, like yeah, they yeah. just it, it's not you know it's lonely at the top a lot of times and it's lonely oh, yeah. um 
especially when you think that you've reached that high point, it's not as glamorous as, as people make it out to be. So, well, I think no. I think most actually, I don't want to say most people. I think there's a an epidemic of loneliness mm-hmm. overall, and it's it's something we've touched on the podcast a little bit before, um, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to have conversations about it because I think it's increasingly oh, yeah. more important for our generation because we feel like we're connected to people but simultaneously our connections are less strong than ever before. Yeah. yeah. And it, of course it varies. Like I, I would say from an outsider's perspective, of course, looking at how people engage with your content, you, there are definitely some folks who like really mess with your stuff. Like they really like it. Um, but is that a true connection? Do you, you know, I, I think one of the weird things is if someone reaches out to you, and you don't really know who they are, but they'll act like they know you, you know, like, hey, oh, Max, be- oh, I saw this, this, this. Oh, man, that's so cool. Like, what you doing today? Some dude just pulls up to your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be bad. That yeah, would be bad. Scary. But that's a weird, that's a weird thing about YouTube that I don't yeah. think is the same with celebrities. Like, you're, you're, you know, 17, you're still in your old house. If someone, you know, wanted to pull up, they could. <laughs> We're not saying that they should. Don't come to our house either. But... It's one of those weird things that like dismantles dismantles the whole aspect of a celebrity, and I think you're doing that perfectly. Yeah. As it humanizes well. it. Yeah, yeah. I think celebrities, I think, are realizing that the more and more authentic they are, the better the engagement is. Because I think people want to be friends with real people. Um, but there's definitely sort of like a I don't know I don't know the word, but like it's it's weird because. I don't know 99% of them, but they all sort of like feel like they know me in a sense. I was talking about this with a friend um, who goes to Duke and he has like a drone club there, right? And he has funding. And so he's able to invite in YouTubers who are like in the drone space um, to the event, right? And he was talking with one of the guys and he was like kind of joking around. And they realized like, oh, that joke was maybe too far because he didn't really know him that well. But it like messed with him because he was like, I felt like I know him. I watch all of his videos. But he kind of was like, oh, he doesn't know me. And he was like, oh, you know, because you sort of create this relationship with someone without them ever knowing, you know, like I watch yeah. videos like Casey Neistat, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, Casey, you know, I've seen you like go on all these trips. I've seen you th- your family, everything. Like, he's like a best friend almost. But then you realize he's no idea who I am. Dude. I think that's really weird, but interesting. I totally freaking resonate with that. Like, I would say when Casey when Casey was like, I don't know. He he didn't blow up, but I think it was like the iPod. T- was, was it the iPod video? Something like that. I don't know. Um, but we're in New York right now. So, Casey Nice, that is like our home nice. YouTuber. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, back in the day, meaning like back in the day, I'm like five years old. But anyway, it more back in the day when I was in middle school, um, I was just, I don't know what was, you know, the term like in your bag, you know what that means? Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a New York <laughs> thing, but it's like, yeah, I don't know why. Just hella sad. Okay, hold but, on. But before, but, but hold on. Before you go into that, some people, like my friends from California, this is a weird rant, but some people say that in your bag means like, yo, I'm feeling myself. Nah, nah, nah. No, nah, no. Nah. If you're New from York, New York, it's so weird how it. Uh, if you're anyway. from New York, in your bag is like you're in the trenches, like you're you're really you're hurting, dude. But but um but um, dude, I don't even know where I'm going with this. But basically, yeah. So Casey Neistat, like, 
he has no clue who I am. Like, he doesn't know who Joey is. But I know who Casey is. And, like, watching his videos, it sometimes, like like what you said, you, your support base is like, you know, Max, you helped me get through this, helped me get through that. Like, yeah, Casey helped me get through a dark time. But he has no clue who I am. And, it, and it's it's somewhat interesting that, that some of my friends have ran into him. Um, and they're like, hi. And they're like, can I get a picture? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, he's like a little off put. Yeah. And then he leaves. And it's just like, <laughs> it's such a weird feeling. Like, you connect with somebody. It's so one-sided. But at the same time, it seems like such an intimate relationship, you know? I think it's really eerie. Because you're creating a one-sided relationship, which I think has never really existed in the past, maybe, of humanity. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but then I even mean, one I mean, layer like crazy, from that. Crazy people. Kind of like if you talk yeah. to yourself, you, you can kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I know this person. But then like that version is edited, right? Yeah, so like yeah. me, there's probably like a thousand errors in my videos. Me like messing up, doing this. So like the final product is me editing the way I portray myself and how I want to look in the world. So like even one step from that, you're creating a polished relationship with someone sort of. So it's even like more complex. That's what messes with me the most. You know, it's like, are they creating a relationship with me or how I want myself to be Mm -hmm. seen? Well, yeah, yeah. You definitely, you know, just referring back to AP psychology, it's all about like that sort of perception, like how you view it. Um, And their final product is definitely not, like, like for our podcast, I know we try and be as raw and as unedited as possible, but when push comes to shove, like we still edit the videos or, or audio pieces. We still put in a lot of work into the to the product, which we're trying to refine. And it's just, you know, like, is that truly authentic? Is that, does that divert yeah. from, from the truth of the situation? Well, I guess that's the weird thing about how people perceive, like, especially content creation online. Because one would say that, hey, like, you know, there's a statistic out there that says that Gen Zers, us, only have an eight-second attention span. That's why TikTok is, like, popping off because it feeds that. It's the Vine energy that everyone wants but couldn't find anywhere else. Whereas then you see, like, Joe Rogan, who just signed a massive deal to Spotify, which baffles me. Um, But smart decision, nonetheless, on Spotify's behalf where he's ha- uploading three-hour-long conversations. <laughs> I, sw- I swear, I've never made it through an entire one of them. But people the will clips, listen to the yeah, entire they, thing. Yeah, I, I think that the clips get more views than the actual... Well, that's oh, what yeah. I'm saying. That's like the weird... It's like catering to different groups. I think that's what's so interesting about... In some respects, it's it's like freelance marketing. You're like, whether by choice or not by choice, you're segmenting a market of people in terms of their attention. And you say, okay, how do I best address those and of course it can be a toxic relationship but um w- one thing you mentioned before that i want to kind of touch on a little bit more is you you mentioned that you don't think that this one-sided relationship has existed before in the same sense i'm actually going to take the opposite opinion i think it's always existed i think every writer every celebrity well, mm-hmm. i mean in the past like think like shakespeare whether or not he actually existed or not because there's whatever debate about that english teachers out there you can debate that um whether, whether or not that's true, he was a celebrity. Did people actually know him? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, his sonnets, his plays, people really resonated with that stuff. And they said, hey, like, dude, I understand you. Like, I feel you. Like, that sonnet 376 with, like, all about love to the princess? Like, dude, like, that that hit my heart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that slapped. 
That's <laughs> not exactly. You listen to a fire beat, you're like, damn, Shakespeare goes hard. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I feel like, yeah, like social, even like social media or, or content creation or just putting out, I feel like videos and photos are all just like forms of art. I feel like they're just like a, a living representation of our internal dialogues like we always have that voice inside of our head like that sort of like metacognition we're always thinking about what we're thinking we always think about what other people are thinking um and i think that's just an expression of it like if you think that picasso wasn't thinking about like uh who's the guy who bit off his ear like i don't, I don't even know uh van gogh, <laughs> van gogh, van gogh, my bad. Van gogh yeah. yeah like van gogh i don't know maybe he's just like <laughs> his paintings are just like damn i'm so damn tired of fucking my ears off or something <laughs> like who, like i don't know man well, but so, like, so well, okay so i i used to have a very bad rap on on social media i thought it was terrible super toxic i i would beat it up a ton then mm-hmm. and and you mentioned you have a quote of gary v on on your wall which i love by the way um and was such a cool experience to talk to him but one thing oh, he yeah. said that that kind of re give me a course correction so to speak on this topic is he kind of said that social media just exposes who you are truly word like if you just want clout it's going to expose that that you just want clout if you're a genuine person just just like you're expressing here it's going to expose that and and i hope this conversation elicits that um and it's not so much that it's social media is what causes people to do outlandish things like jump off of a bridge and potentially injure themselves because they want views or roll their car down a hill uh like some creators do um dude that's not even the worst they like <laughs> i know it's not the worst dude like I, I i like logan paul and all but like dude he filmed a dead person like hanging from a tree like that's testy that's real testy but it's not it's not to say that like you know like you for sure could post testy content too you could be like oh my god i jumped off this building when you didn't like just straight clickbait but you choose not to. Why, why, why do you choose not to? I'm curious on that on that behalf. Um, I think I think it's sort of like if you think about it, like a graph, right? Sure, I post a video saying I went to the principal's office at my public school day in the life, you know, <laughs> and I was a captain. What a rebel. Like, not, not, none of it happened, right? But everyone's like, oh, my God, dude, Max is in the principal's office. Let me click that, right? They watch it. Sure, I get a lot of views, right? But then they're like, ah, oh, like, he didn't even go to the principal's office. What's this? I think over time, they start to trust you less. And I think it's sort of like, do you want to be in it for, like, the short-term success, short-term monetary gain? Or do you want to kind of establish that relationship of trust? And sure, it takes a longer time to sort of create that. But eventually, I think that sort of established relationship of trust and authenticity. There we go. (laughs) I think that's way more valuable in the end. I agree. Um, I think I'm able just to see that. I think that's what keeps me sort of um, on that track. Very true. Very true. I think one of the more interesting aspects from a, a business side and I know you've, you've dabbled into that a little bit with Perspectopia. How have, you, how have you seen that conversion? Like, do you see that you can make this a monetizable platform? That you can capture their attention and then convert it into someone who actually purchases things? Is that something that you've had a positive experience with? Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I think money definitely changes things, whether you like it or not. Um, and I think, yeah, the sort of like the most um, engaged fans tend to be the ones who actually purchase things, which is actually a really nice thing. So actually sort of like motivates me to really create genuine relationships because whether you want to believe it or not, you know, those people are going to support you, um, which is tricky because then you're like, oh, am I just talking to them because I want them to buy my clothing? No, but then you sort of like, like, oh, wait, because when you realize like, I think the trickiest thing is once you sort of figure out what leads to what, sort of how you handle that and what you do with that information is really the sort of like the make or break between like, I guess, who you are as a person. I think that's sort of what it comes down to because we all sort of know what will get more views, what can make us more money, what could do this, what could do that. I think what you choose to do with that information is really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Mm. <laughs> that I makes sense. No, definitely. I appreciate <laughs> what I want to say is I really appreciate your honesty with this. Max, you left me yeah. speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I haven't seen Joey not talk so much. He just, just yeah, and I talk, I talk a lot. So yeah, <laughs> but I, I, wait, wait, I have can to, I, yeah, hit it. I want to ask a question first. Wait, so wait. you guys are like, you're in your like beginning phase ish, right? Like yep. the podcast is relatively small. Yep. When when you're working on editing these videos, is your motivation like if I edit this I work hard, this next video could be the one that gets us viral? Is it is that sort of like what's stuck in your head? Because when I was like editing back in the day, I was like, all right, this video could be the one. You know, like like maybe this is the one that'll go viral. Are are you constantly thinking about where you're going? Because I feel like I was really trapped up with that. You know, it's weird. It's weird. It's it's really. I think it's it's multifaceted, especially given our stage. Um, since we've, you know, yes, we do have episodes. We we record. I remember this one time. All right, mm. I'm not gonna name the name of the episode, um, but the person which we were interviewing was like really cool, and we were like, damn, this is the time about to blow up, crazy, like go viral, <laughs> Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. But like. <laughs> This was so early on, like, no, like, the, the amount of traction the episode had in comparison to what we anticipated it to be was, like, insignificant. So, after mm. after that that sort of episode, especially especially that one, um, and it happened times after that, I'm sure, but that was just the most pivotal moment, um, we started we started viewing our episodes differently. Yeah. Um, and I think mm. that, that links back to our core objective is just, like, to depolarize through conversation because people frankly don't talk to each other anymore, whether it be like rich, poor, um, black, white sort of thing. Like people don't, don't talk to each other and they don't have meaningful conversations. So we have to go back to our roots and be like, okay, screw the virality. What do you want? And what brings you enjoy uh, happiness? Because yeah. like in reality, we're just trying to provide value for people. And if people can see that, then they're going to be way more likely to subscribe. to The our other content. thing that I'll add to that is, that episode that that we thought was like, it, I guess it was the first person that we had. Yeah, on. our first like, our first like, substantially notable. Yeah, yeah. Person and afterward, super hype. We're like, oh my god, that was awesome! Like, we got an hour's worth of their time, and this is gonna be the thing. They're gonna repost it. Blah 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 blah. We got so caught up in that. Yeah. When it released, it didn't do as well as we wanted it to. We still really loved the conversation. Mm. On oddly enough, one of our best performing 
episodes to date is the first one that we ever uploaded, which was one of my with one of my best friends. His name is Aman, and it was a very pure and just like you were saying, honest conversation about spirituality and religion. Two topics that him and I talked a ton about. And he's Hindu, and both Joey and I are Jewish, and we just dove into that. And and it was the first time that we. I mean, of course, it was the first episode. We publicized it everywhere. Maybe that had something to do with it. But people really reached out from all across the world, which was the weirdest part. Saying, "Hey, like I like this this one girl who I, I now go to school with." basically emailed me or, or messaged me and this said, the girl from the Philippines. yeah, she's like my friends on the Philippines national debate team. Listen to your podcast to practice with. Wow. And that was like the biggest honor to me because Joey and I didn't have a vision for any of this yet. We just had an idea. We, we just thought, Hey, like we're really fed up with the fact that people don't speak to each other. They don't have cross-cultural immersion that the, for me, I was very into politics. I was super frustrated with the fact that the right and the left don't talk to each other. It's like they're living in different worlds. And a lot of that has yeah. to do with media. And so we thought, okay, how do we put our hand into the the pot, so to speak, and say, hey, we're going to mix things up. Let's take the mic back for our generation. And instead of letting people dictate what we want to hear, let's create what we want to hear. Let's, let's speak to the people that we find interesting and maybe wouldn't speak to in any other way. And that's part of what I really love about podcasting that I don't think I'd get anywhere else. I mean, when we, when we spoke to Gary a few weeks ago, that's another one of those moments that we're like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is going to be the thing that turns us on. And yes, we, we got a lot of attention for that. And I'm super, I'm super, super grateful for, for the conversation we had with him. But I'm not sure that that's going to be the thing that like ticks everything off. I don't think it's a motive anymore though. Yeah. The mo the motive is going back to that deeper why of like, what, what did Joey and I set out to start here and what is the vision for it? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's not even just a podcast. It's, it's a whole social, not, not necessarily. It's, yeah, it's I a guess, movement. Yeah. It's a movement, so to speak. Yeah. It, it's weird because, you know, a lot of people like, I'm sure this is happening to you, you too, Max. It's like, Oh, you have internet content. You post some interesting stuff. It's going to help you so much in college mm. or it's going to help you get through admissions or stuff like that. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Like, that is not the goal at all. Like, yeah, yeah they might think that you, Max, like you're, you're a cool dude or like you post mad stuff on in the internet, but like, that's not the objective. It's not to like get into school because of this <laughs> stuff. At least I hope not. Um, it's just weird, man. Like people, people pervert your image. Or I, I I don't people pervert content so much and like skew it in, in such weird ways just to think that you're like conniving and manipulative. It's weird. Yeah. Do you think do you think numbers mess things up in a sense in terms of like content creation? Because like I think we get caught up is like numbers are sort of like our report card in a sense. Mm, like right. my analytics, that's like all right, if this video didn't do as well as I thought it did maybe that's because my video wasn't that interesting you know it's sort of like the ideals are like if your video is really interesting and engaging and you filmed it well it it should do well theoretically right yeah i wonder if that's what sort of like keeps you i don't, I don't know if hungry is the word but like that's sort of like that numbers are the most brutally honest thing and we're always sort of like kind of chasing them in a sense like i wonder number detox or something like that number that would be interesting that's that's 
I mean, that's interesting. I think that, you know, th- there's like, there's a person behind the number, you know? And I think that there's something that we have to, we have to think about. Like, there's a guy sitting there in, yeah. in the Philippines, in, in Europe, some, somewhere who's watching our content and is pressing that like button who, or who's downloading that podcast episode. And so once you think, like, when I, what I think about it is like, yeah, numbers are dope and all, but like, think about, think about the, the objective and think about the people listening to our content as true people. They're not bots. Like we could buy a million downloads easily, but we're not doing that because we're not schemers. But like, I just don't think that it's, you know, like if you, if you add validity behind the number, the humility behind the number, it makes it way more justifiable. Also, like, I think that the numbers, like, like, like you were talking about again, like there's a, there's a level of like an over justification effect with numbers. It's like, once you get it, it decreases motivation because your your objectives change, um, yeah. and I think that's one thing which we're we're kind of working on right now. It's like as 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 our content grows and as our fan base or, or supporter base grows as well, like sticking to our core values that's huge. And and to to add to that a little bit, when we started this off, and and something that we frequently go back to is in the context of numbers. If we impact one person in a positive way, that's what we care about. Because that yeah. is what will matriculate into, you know, five years, 10 years down the line when we do get a sustainable amount of downloads, get a sustainable amount of listens. And until then, right, we're going to still keep doing what we love, but we'll have to do other things as well. And part of the reason why I, I mentioned before this, uh, this started up really that I want to move away from from kind of working for others and more working for myself is because... I'm in a lucky position right now where I have worked and and accumulated some amount of money where I can stretch it out a bit and say, okay, I did what I need to do for the summer already. Let's do the thing we actually care about. And I I have to recognize from my perspective that that's something that I'm privileged to have. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people do not have that opportunity and have to work, you know, two, three jobs to just make ends meet. So in, in the context of, but, but that said, like in the, to add to that a, a little bit even more, I think the goal for us has never really been numbers and all that we want is sustainability, like to eventually be able to make money off of this and probably a plus. Yeah. That's, that's a plus. <laughs> it's not necessary. It's like and, YouTube ads, right? Like they, they may not pay well, but like, it's a plus, it's a yeah. benefit. It's just like a, a way of, of like getting validation in another way or allowing for somebody to support yeah. your, your project. You yeah. Know? That's what I think is so interesting about platforms like Patreon because it subverts mm-hmm. the whole nature of what the attention economy has kind of created. Like, yes, you, you do need somewhat of a following, but, and this is something I wanted to mention a bit earlier, but the, the concept of a thousand true fans, I think is super oh, yeah. relevant now more than ever. Have you, have you read that piece? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that where like the thousand true fans would spend like was it a thousand dollars on you yeah year pretty like much that, and you make a million dollars something that's like that crazy. yeah i mean yeah. and that's the that's the perspective shift that i think is necessary now more than ever i think mm-hmm. patreon features a lot of people in their newsletters as well as on their page regarding people who have you know ten thousand followers on youtube but they're making yeah. three thousand dollars a month through patreon because they're mm-hmm. you know uploading a secret podcast or they're uploading deleted scenes or, or whatever it is mm-hmm. i know you recently posted on your youtube about whether or not people support people on patreon 
Does yeah. that mean you're you're considering a platform like that to take things in the future? I was looking into it. I think I read a similar article that you, that you read. And I think it was mainly because I was feeling tired of like always thinking about the algorithm. Um, like the last few videos I posted or three videos that I posted were like quarantine updates where I had people send in videos from all over the world, kind of giving a brief update of what their situation's like. Um, analytically, they performed not that great. Um, and based off like how the YouTube algorithm works in a sense, like I know that it harms me in the future. Um, and I think that sort of like made me like frustrated with like how YouTube worked and like, I just wanted to be able to post content without thinking about an algorithm. Um, and somehow I stumbled upon just thinking about Patreon again. And then I was curious to see like, because I know my audience demographics relatively young for the most part. So I was like, how many of you guys like actually use it um, and support people on it? Um, so I did a poll and I think it was like maybe 8% of people, maybe I think I got like two and a half thousand responses. Um, but I think it's definitely like where I hope things go in terms of like content creation in the future. Cause I think, yeah. I think the algorithm is annoying and it definitely like curates sort of like a lot of what media is being put out there. Um, which I think is an issue. I think, I think we're moving away from that with like platforms like Patreon. And that's what I'm really excited about in the future. It's just people being able to create what they want to create without having to think about an algorithm. So I think that's one of the most tiring things. Definitely. You know, Definitely. like, uh, will the algorithm like this? Like, uh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love what Patreon's doing. And I think that's awesome. I think the, the CEO, Jack Conti, is the most interesting guy. Like he, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he probably watched this video with Casey, right? His yeah. video, yeah. that yeah, video yeah. will stand in my brain as possibly one of the most creative videos because not only did he do the whole, you know, filming and everything, he made the, his own music and he puts it in there. Yeah. And like yesterday, Joey, <laughs> dude, I was say, I was like, I'm pissed off. I'm not paying for something. I'm not like using somebody's like danky royalty free music for the beginning of our podcast intro. I'm creating our own music, like whatever. Hopefully, my like middle school uh, uh, viola lessons helped me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and he, uh, but he did it. Like, it, yeah. he took 30 minutes. He had GarageBand out, and he like made a lo-fi type beat. And I have to say, I really liked it, and I was very impressed. <laughs> but Patreon, I I think YouTube's trying to to catch on to that as well with their YouTube whatever mm -hmm. membership to like channels. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? I know some creators have started doing that. Do you like that YouTube's moving there or do you prefer Patreon still over, over that model? Um, I think it's cool. First off, I'm too young to join it. I think I have to be really? 18. Really? I think I have Dang. to be 18, yeah. So that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like that. Um, so I think it it comes back to sort of like joining a community. I think that's really like in our deep nature. I think if platforms, social media platforms in general can move towards that, I think that's awesome. Like, mm. I think it really kind of moves things away from the algorithm, like I said, which I think is probably one of the most important things in terms of like what's going on right now. True. Um, but it, it seems so like, I love that. 100%. It seems like, uh, you know, like YouTube, not, not YouTube channels, but like, uh, 
TV channels, right? Like you have to pay for it, like a subscription mm. or, or like Netflix. You have to have a subscription to watch like, I don't know, House of Cards or, or The Lion King. I don't even know. What's like Disney of? Plus and Netflix. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it seems like, you know, that those, those forms of entertainment, there, there's a downside to it. And that's the democratizability. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. If you have 12 bucks a month, that's cool. Mm. Go watch as many movies as you want. Uh, I'm not against that. But for the dude who or the family who who doesn't have that money, like, do you see any minuses in that? Especially in terms of like restricting your content um, behind a paywall. Yeah, basically. behind a paywall. Yeah. Um, I think I like how Patreon has it in terms of like as an option. Like it's sort of like a bonus, like a tip. I like mm-hmm. to view is that. Never want to have my videos behind a paywall, but sort of like the thing is like, if you are fortunate enough to be able to be like, oh, like I enjoy your content, Max, I want to support you. I'll give you 20 bucks. That's awesome. But like, I never wanted to be a point where it's like, oh, you don't have the money. Okay. You can't watch my videos. I think that's sort of messed up. Um, so I think it's nice to have it. It's sort of like, I was thinking of creating some tears or something like that where like i'm not going to spend money on my camera gear anymore because like it is what it is um and i don't really value like i'm not going to spend two thousand dollars on a new camera right mm-hmm. um but like creating maybe like a membership where like okay if you want to pitch in money to help like improve my camera quality gear or like my gear sure you can support me through that and like my videos will upgrade in quality um but that's not like you don't have to do that, but it's there if you want to. I think that's sort of the best model. I don't know. But I'm definitely like thinking about it. Um, I think that's, I think I it's think that's a great, I think it's a great way to phrase it too. Um, I, one of the more interesting things that, that I find fascinating is when there, there are entire business models and entire companies based solely off of not even having a price point for you to get things. One example... It's like pay what you can. Yeah, like the pay what you can model, model is so interesting. Uh, there's, one, oh, yeah. there's one book that I really, really love. It's called Drive by Daniel H. Pink. And, and in his book, he talks about this one company where uh, basically a dude who makes bagels comes to a bunch of corporate companies, puts out a ton of bagels in the morning uh, to, for people to get with like their coffee and, sa- and just puts a basket there and says, pay what you think it's worth. And he makes, and he does. He now has expanded that model to fifty plus corporate, you know, companies in in his area, and he makes over a million dollars a year, as well as he basically (laughs) makes ninety eight percent of what he originally would have charged them for. Right, so there's uh, that two percent of of homies who just scum him and are like, like I'm yeah, not you're paying getting, you you're twenty five cents, boy. I'm b- <laughs> but there's a social pressure to it, right? There's a social oh, pressure yeah. to to say, yo, you're like you're feeding me, uh, and and in some sense, the the creative aspect is interesting. I think what I find really cool on TikTok is when people put like their Venmo in their bio or even anywhere else, and they're like, yeah, Venmo me like you know two bucks if you if you like what I'm creating. And some people really like they they get stuff. One of one of my friends, I, Aman, actually doesn't. He's not really viral on TikTok, but he has like six thousand followers, and he's like very excited about that. And I was yeah. talking, I was talking to him, and 
he was basically like, yeah, I don't know whether or not to put like a Venmo in my bio because, you know, I don't make any money off any of this. It's TikTok and I don't have a strong enough following. And I'm like, you know, what? why don't you just do it and see what happens? What, what, you know, like as an experiment. And, and that's something Joey and I are toying around with of just, hey, mm-hmm. listen, like we don't make money off of this right now. But if you'd like to support us, kind of like Kickstarter does with, you know, startups. I like that. Yeah. If you'd like to, to help us out, you know, send us whatever you can. If you can't, no pressure. So I think I think that's really interesting. Have you thought about live streaming these on like YouTube or something, and like having donations open? That's that could be something. Yeah, right. I've, no, I've dabbled around with doing live streams, and like for like I did one on my birthday, right? And like I got like a hundred dollar donation from someone. It's like Dang, a happy what? birthday, I love your content. Dang. Like, I was like I was like, what? You know, like that's crazy. Um, so I think I think it's nice to like have it open as an option but not to like talk about it all the time. I yeah. think it's one of those things where it's like, if you're like, like donate to the channel, here's my Venmo. All right, let's get into the video. You know, it's like, it's yeah. like one of those things. Like, like you have to be very but... smart with it. <laughs> um, Cause I think it could, it could backfire. I guess that's what I'm like worried about. Like the larger your audience gets, the more paranoid you get about actions. I was like, if I do something stupid, I could get roasted, you know? So it's like if I had my Venmo, my bio, everyone's like, "Oh, you're you're a privileged white kid. Why are you asking yeah. for money?" Mm. You know, like yeah, it could go it could go both ways, dude. It's like it's um, like the it's like the cancel culture. Like you don't know what's gonna happen, especially yeah. now. Oh yeah, it's freaky. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. you say that though, like, cause the the roasting aspect. What 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 makes you so fearful of that? Yeah. It's not that I'm like crazy fearful about that. It's more that like I want to make sure that I'm being very mindful about what I'm posting just in today because you see like celebrities and they say something like dumb and you're like, what, like, what were you thinking? But like to them, they were like, oh, this is fine. You know, like I think, I think it's important to just be extra aware of what you're posting with a larger audience just because there's responsibility that comes with that. Um, and just in the back of your mind, if you accidentally say something that could be come off as like super privileged or like, I don't know, anything that could be perceived as bad, um, that could really, I don't know, there's just a lot of negative stuff that could happen with that or come with that. And I don't know, it's just worrisome at times, you know, like you never want, you know, like Logan Paul, for example, his, his video, right. Of like dead guy in the forest. He probably thought that was fine, you know? That's why I published it. But like, obviously that wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of get in your own bubble of what you think is right, wrong, what's okay and not without realizing. I think that's just what's scary. You know, thinking it's okay, but it's not. So I, I think that's yeah. the importance of having almost a time in between posting. Like one, one of the best recommendations I've ever received is before you send a text to someone, write it all down in your notes app, leave it there for a day, mm. then come back to it. Especially, I, I know when folks are like, you know, in breakups or they have tough situations, they break oh, up yeah. with their friend, they break up with their girlfriend, whatever, or boyfriend or, or partner, or whatever it may be. I mean, you can feel like you just want to rant everything out. That's what I think is so beautiful about journaling and, and mm-hmm. just free flow writing out how you feel. Because sometimes things shouldn't go anywhere. And and yeah. it's weird because now there's almost gratification off of posting everything all it's like the time. A, it's like a private Snapchat stories. Like people literally like, yeah. hey, like 
I'm, I'm on the toilet like that's crazy like people people really like they post people post anything for views nah they post anything and everything that's the problem like we don't have alone time we don't have like that sort of it's a problem yeah and it's weird because we feel lonely just like i was saying before but at the same time we're never alone oh my god that there was this dude on TikTok. I, I've been watching too much TikTok. Yo, lately. he's live for 30 days. Is that the guy you're talking <laughs> no, about? No, I'm not talking dude, about Dude, I looked on TikTok <laughs> yesterday. He's going no live way. for 30 days. I swear to God. He's sleeping. I press on the live, 3 a.m. This is what happens at 3 a.m. Not, not, nothing good happens at 3 a.m. Look at his live stream. Bro, he's passed out. And people are just like, <laughs> yo, wake up, wake up. <laughs> dude, that's not good. That's going to that's gonna make a great YouTube video one day, yeah, though, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but so, so like... There, there was this other dude who basically said, you know, relationships nowadays, they're kind of messed up because you're never alone. Like, you never spend time away from each other. You know, you spend time at, like, you know, school. And then, oh, you get back from school, you're in-house. Oh, you text them all day, you FaceTime them, you're talking all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're not given that time to, you know, actually just sit with your thoughts, like, hey, let me check in with myself. How do I actually feel? Mm -hmm. Let me not just, like, spew all of my thoughts to someone else. That's so important. And it makes you enjoy being around someone more because you don't, oh, yeah. you know, I think of it almost like a bullseye. Like you get closer and closer and closer to knowing a person. But if you just like, you know, in one week, you're like, all right, deep dive. I want to know everything about you. And it doesn't even have to be in a relationship setting. It could be with a friend that mm -hmm. you just make or a conversation. You don't, there's like a beauty in letting that, you know, last long. And one, one, one other comedian that I really like uh, his name is Andrew Schultz. Very testy comedian. Um, pushes the envelope a lot. And, and I'm concerned mm. as to whether or not he'll be canceled soon. Because he says some some <laughs> kind of weird shit. Um, but he, he, he did a TED Talk. Which was a little interesting mm -hmm. to see him in a TED Talk setting. Where he was like, you know, comedians for the most part don't put their stuff on YouTube. Because they run the same set all the time. And it becomes a problem because people see their stuff. And they're like, hey, why are you mm. saying the same thing? Like the same set all the time. That's kind of how things were in the past. He's subverted that in many respects because he does a lot of like commentary and like roasts his fans, <laughs> which is interesting, I gotta say. But uh, he he basically said, and I think he has like a million subscribers on YouTube. He said, you know, as long as it takes you to build up to success, quote unquote, the longer it lasts, the more sustainable it can be. Because you're growing slowly, 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 even just one person at a time. But if it's the right people, it'll last long term. Whereas like the overnight sensation, which is like, See, I, I guess, don't know. I don't know about that, actually. Really? Because, dude, if you I think about think that's it, how it is. Max, you're familiar with TikTok, I'm sure, since you, you post content and stuff all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know like, the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like Charlie D'Amelio, right? Like this girl has yeah. been posting for like a year, something like fifty million, sixty million followers. And I'm like, <laughs> but but the thing is, I think it's she's actually gonna keep that. Like I think she has announced long term. But that that's what I'm saying. Oh, all right. Like it. Some people go viral overnight. They have one video. Yeah. But she's consistently been gaining. You know, it's a lot of people, but it's the right people. Thanks. Okay. She, mm -hmm. And now she's running culture, basically. It's it's the weirdest thing. The shortest videos are, you know, you, you see on like, I don't know, there, there was like a graduation event um, for the class of 2020 from high school. And all I saw was like, oh, there, this is a TikTok song or like, oh, here's a TikToker. Here's a dance from TikTok. It's so weird how that stuff runs culture now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder at the same time. Like, sure, she has, what, like, 60 million followers, right? But 
is her relationship with those 60 million people like almost nothing you know it's like yeah my relationship with her is like whatever seeing her dance right that means nothing so i wonder if like you have such a large audience but if it's based upon something that's almost meaningless that you could snap like this you know like she yeah. does something dumb the whole world could just be like all right she doesn't matter anymore because she wasn't like i guess like it, i guess it comes down to like what gary says like the value you provide if that if all she's doing is dancing and anyone guess, can i don't know you know i guess like, that's why she's diversifying all of her stuff which i think is the 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 best part about platforms like that where you kind of do get the insta fame if you play your cards right and you can diversify yeah. your strategy like i don't know she moved into you know doing doing youtube stuff her sister started okay. doing tv related stuff because she wants to be an oh, actress wow. <laughs> I, I yeah when you when you gain that clout you can leverage it and and even for joey and i like by no means do we have nearly as much clout as they do but by getting Not certain yet. people on our podcast by getting you know when we got gary one of the best parts is is we recognized this is going to be very valuable for us to to say hey like we've interviewed this person and for the most part he has high brand recognition same thing with i think universities when i do emails sometimes for for podcast interviews i'll use it for my georgetown email because that's where i go to school and people are more inclined to respond is what i've noticed no i fell into that too (laughs) really how so yeah well it's like i don't know like i took ap lang this year right and you learn about ethos yeah um Mm. that plays a huge part into it you know like all right, like this kid's smart. He's educated. It'll be an interesting conversation. You know, like regardless of like what we say, like we judge everyone around us in our lives. I think staples like that, like university, like that's, that's not nothing, you know, like that says a lot about someone to a certain degree. So Mm -hmm. I think you think you can't escape that, you know, things like that. I think you can also sort of like learn over time, like what sort of cards to play to get you to certain places, you know, like that card that you can play the Georgetown card, like that's a smart card. You can play that for the rest of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Very true. Is that it's, something that you're, you're thinking about actively in, in the college conversation? Like playing certain cards or, well, I guess, yeah, in that sense, but also whether or not you think you need, cause I, I don't know. I have a weird take on college having been in it for a year, I really don't think that undergrad teaches you that much in terms of viable skills for the the job market. It and I only have a year, so I can't, I, this is a very uneducated, I guess, opinion. Um, yeah. But unless you're doing something like engineering, nursing, your pre-med, something like that, those have very tangible skills that you develop in undergrad and you can go off, or, or even computer science for that matter, and, and get a very high paying job. Whereas if you're like, I'm a psych major, for example, um, mm-hmm. and I love psychology. And I know that if I were to go to, you know, graduate school and get a PhD, maybe then I could make like a, a decent salary, but as an undergrad, maybe not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and so in, in that sense, I also think that you're buying into, given the fact that you know, you're not really gaining that much skill, quote unquote, from a college other than the fact that you're learning how to learn. You're buying into their brand. Like when people oh, yeah. go to like everyone knows Harvard. It's like it doesn't if matter you where you Harvard. are. Harvard.edu at the yeah, end of you'll get like, anything. Chances of you getting that job are fairly high. So is that something that you're considering now when thinking about, you know, should I go to should I go to school? Which school should I go to? Should I just do what I want to full time? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure. It's definitely a like, sort of question and conversation that I've been like playing around with in my mind. Time now. Um, so I think once you sort of get a taste of like making money online, you're like, well, I screw everything. You know, I can just do this, right? I can just upload videos, sign clothing. Like I don't need society, you know, like internet money, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, um, my mom's a professor at Duke. So she's very like academics. Like she's, that's like her whole like space is academia. Um, and we've had many conversations about it. And to a certain degree, it is brand, you know, like if I said, like, I'm going to Harvard, you know, everyone on my channel would be like, wow, wow, Max, the new, went to the Harvard, new John you know? Fish. Yeah, the new John Yeah. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that stays with you for the rest of your life. You know, if you say you go to Harvard, you know, like people respect you. And like, I don't know if that sort of like ethos will great over time like i think that's something that will stay within our culture society for a long time um and that plays like a decent amount of like consideration into like me thinking about college for sure um but then at the same time it's like you don't just want to do it for that you know um but i think i've come to terms with just like understanding that like the critical thinking that you develop through like education is just far more important. Um, there's a quote from Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is basically like, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. Mm. Um, mm. I think that just sort of sticks with me. Or like, if I think of college as just like a waste of time and skills that I won't need in terms of like doing entrepreneurial stuff, then like that's just being pretty like one-sided. Um, but like, who knows? Maybe if I like analyze some Russian literature and there's like that like resonated with me and somehow i like incorporate that into my brain and change things forever um that's sort of like the mindset i'm trying to force myself to have instead of like judging it for what i think it's going to be just going into it with an open mind and then later on i'll realize oh that was really important you know to do that Hmm. um that's a very wise statement dude i appreciate that (laughs) i really do yeah joey last last thoughts Dude, I could go on for hours, realistically. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking about so much stuff. Like, I'll, I'll throw out a big one, and then, and then we'll reel it in. How about that? So, yeah. All right. So, one of the questions which I've been I've been trying to tackle for like the past past few weeks. I was reading a book, and I was just like, man, are my ideas like? Sure, I'm I'm gaining perspective from other people's mm-hmm. ideas. I'm learning about what X author has to say. Or what why person believes but like when push comes to shove i know that you said like connecting the dots is easier to do backwards and forwards like it's only possible when you're doing it backwards but one of my things is like yo am i actually are the ideas which i have currently are they my own or are they just weird combinations and amalgamations of other people's ideas and i like that it frustrates me it's the weirdest thing i i don't think that i don't know yeah. if other people ha- have have those like Sorts no, of I do thoughts. for sure. Yeah, so like, you want yeah, to go yeah. more in depth on that? What, what's your take? Yeah, I think I struggle with that with like creativity. Like, I'm like trying to like make a video about something or design some sort of clothing, and like the only things I'm like kind of like relaying in my mind are like things I've already seen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do I have any sort of free thought? Like, I went on this whole sort of like deep dive on like 
just free will exist. And I went to some like existential crisis earlier in the year. Um, cause like, do I control anything in my life? And I think like your creative expression is like, or it's a huge part of who I am. And like thinking that like, it's not coming from me. is like a pretty scary thought. Um, but I think eventually what I came to terms with is like, you, you take in a lot from other people. Right. But you sort of like re relay that or bounce it off sort of like, like echolocation mm-hmm. based on like your experiences, right? Like you read some quote and then you live your day and you sort of bounce it off your daily life. Like, and like, I think that's why like travel is just one of the most valuable things you can really do in life is it really allows you to just see things that are different. Um, I think combining that with taking in things from other people is what makes it you at the end of the day. Cause that's sort of like your filter, like the final product, like how you think everything is your interpretations of everything and how that relates to your life. Mm, definitely. Definitely. I think when Joe and I had this conversation I had an earlier, existential crisis. Yeah. I did not clean my room for four <laughs> weeks. I, guarantee, I swear to God, I was like, the world's ending, bro. Like coronavirus, we're all, we're all gonna, you know, like it's the end. It's like, you some Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I threw some, exactly, dude. I was like existentialism, bro. Like I'm not cleaning my room. That's it. Like, you see that plate right there? It's not moving. It's not moving off my desk. It's not. It's not leaving. But I think it's important to have those conversations, right? Like yeah. the the. Oh yeah. One issue I struggle with is surface level conversations when I first meet people, mm. um, yeah. and it's beautiful that we've been able to get this deep on a conversation, right, Max? We just met. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I. That's what I love about talking to people yeah. and, and talking to strangers. Oh, yeah. When you overcome that discomfort of. Oh, how like do they actually want to talk to us? Yeah. Do they care about how we feel, or do they just want to you know talk about themselves all the time? Overcoming that fear and just saying, "Hey, screw it, let's just see what happens," can be yeah. so liberating. And also, I think life is really discovered in those conversations. Like it, that, mm-hmm. that's where the cross cultural aspect is so important. And even for us, right? We're in New York. You're in North Carolina. We're you know call it a thousand miles away from each other, we're still in the same country, but there's still nuances in our own lived experience where we can gain value and, and understanding from. That's what I dislike, I guess, so to say, when people write off conversations mm-hmm. uh, or aren't willing to dive into topics because you're almost losing out for yourself, not even just for the other person on the other side. Um, yeah, just a little bit of a ramble. That. That said, though, on the creativity thing, I think it's totally okay to copy, quote unquote. Um, yeah. It's because it, even when you're copying, you're still infusing your unique perspective, like I was saying before. You still have mm-hmm. your unique experience, uh, you know, as Max to tell people about. And, and that's what people are there for. Like, they're, if this is the thing that I, I find is kind of cool about, like, the personal branding type of sphere and, and in, in some sense, what you're doing. Like the, the, the brand is you. So, and I can see how that can be a a negative thing because then any, anyone who doesn't like the brand is, it feels like it's attacking Mm -hmm. you. And and we feel that too. Um, but when you go about that process, it's, if you were to replace your, like someone on your channel with like a max lookalike, say, say we put Joey on your channel and it's like, (laughs) Hey, I'm max now. (laughs) People wouldn't be there for the same reason, you know. Yeah, what's like, this beta version of Max? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so but that's why that's why I think is so cool about all of that. It's because you, yeah. it's you, it's it's 
it's because they're there for you. Um, but I guess the, the flip side of that is when they turn away, it's, it's also because of that. And that's where it can get tough. Yeah. For sure. All right. I yeah, think that's well. Max, we, we have taken up way more of time than, than we would have thought to, but we really appreciate you sticking on for this long and, and engaging in these conversations and being so honest. So now we want to roll the red carpet out for you. Tell them what you have going on in your life, where they can find you, all that fun stuff. In my life right now, just finished all my AP exams. I'm a free boy. Um, you can find me on YouTube, Max Reisinger. Um, and maybe I'll find you somewhere out in the world. You don't have to follow my social media, but you can if you're interested. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you again. This is really fun. I love conversations. I think it's a really important, valuable thing to just continue to have conversations about things. Um, I wish we could talk all day. This was a blast. Um, I appreciate it. Everything. This is a fun time. And I look forward to listening back to it. Hopefully I don't sound too... Um, <laughs> Hearing your Rambly, voice, hearing your voice at the end is like is the worst uh, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Max, appreciate you. <laughs> of course, let's let's do this again sometime soon. Maybe without all I'd the recording to. and everything. Um, yeah. That said, if you want to reach out to any of us, if people are here from from Max's side, you can follow along with us on the Debate Without Debate podcast. You can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including on youtube you can find us on instagram as well spotify D- itunes podcast. yeah all that thank you all for listening SoundCloud? to this to this yep true 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 we gotta hop on <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll become soundcloud rappers yeah, SoundCloud and, rappers. and infuse okay. our our uh, podcasting yeah <laughs> thank you all for listening to this beautiful conversation we will see you when we see you we out peace max good looks dude that was fantastic <laughs>